This podcast is recorded in Byron Bay on the Bundjalung Nation. I'd like to pay my respects to the traditional custodians of this land and pay respects to elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to It Takes Courage to Tell the Truth. This podcast features women from around the world focusing on themes such as birth, business, sustainability, women's health, sex, death, politics, and much, much more. A podcast where we can find our magic, reclaim our witchcraft, and discover our lineage as women. Welcome back to the show. Today, I'm in conversation with Carla. Carla has come on board to share her story. In 2020, Carla lost her job during the COVID pandemic and decided to use her free time to come off a steroid cream that was prescribed to her by her GP. Carla discovered some big truths about the Western medical system on her journey last year and embarked on a trusting relationship with her mind, body and spirit to find that slow healing was the best healing for her. Carla, thank you and welcome to the show. I wanted to just start by asking you if you could orientate our listeners to a little bit about the background of your story and why you're joining us here today. Mm, Yes, I would love to, Ella. Firstly, I just wanted to say um, thank you for giving me the opportunity to raise awareness and share my story on this platform because... uh, I almost wish that before I went through what I went through that I had, you know, the encouragement and the support and the knowledge and the education. Um, so, yeah, I feel really privileged to be sharing this with you. Um, so my story is actually about a skin condition that erupted in my body that was treated with pharmaceuticals for um, a period of about three years on and off. Um, and then forming in what we call like an atrogenic condition, which pretty much means that it's a condition caused inadvertently by a medical treatment, which in this case was a cortisone steroid cream. Um, so I would like to discuss the implications and the condition in which I suffered for the last seven months. Topical steroid withdrawal in basic terms is when you use a steroid cream such as cortisone, you place it on your body and your body's just so intricately intelligent that it stops producing its own natural hormone cortisol. And cortisol is responsible for our stress response. So when you're putting on cortisone cream, which is a synthetic version of cortisol, um, our body wants to reach that state of homeostasis so it actually stops producing your own cortisol. So when you stop using this cream or you try and wean off it, your body is in a really huge state of um, hormonal disharmony, um, which is why you begin to withdraw. You withdraw because your body needs this hormone. It needs this cream in order to pretty much survive. Um, so, yeah, that, that's a bit about what I'm going to be discussing. And so 
Okay, I'm a big believer in functional medicine. For those who don't know, functional medicine is a system of um, biology-based approaches that focus on identifying and addressing the root cause of disease. Now, many of us may not know this, but our Western medical system doesn't address the root of the disease. In fact, it just looks to kind of block whatever you may be feeling. So you can continue to, what I say, do the nine to five or live in the grind. And mm-hmm. what I found with the Eastern philosophies of medicine is that often it takes a slower amount of time to heal, but it is getting to the root cause. And we live in this fast paced society that we want these products to be able to heal us instantaneously without mm-hmm. realizing the long term damage that can happen over long periods of time. Now, for you, this is what happened. You went to seek advice from your local GP and this is how you got put on the steroid cream. What happened to you and this journey when you decided you were going off the steroid cream? Will you just tell us what inspired you to actually go off it? Of course, and that's, that's such a great question, Ella. Um, so I saw a dermatologist and the dermatologist did a biopsy um, with a 15 minute appointment and a very luxurious fee. Um, we decided on steroid cream with little information about what it actually does. Uh, so yeah, that, that's how it kind of fell into my world. I never really truly believed it was, it was going to heal me. I just thought it was a great mediator for the time of immense pain. I also matched that with Chinese medicine and worked a lot with a Chinese medicine doctor to go to root cause. But dermatology, it, it works with the skin and the skin is just the symptom of severe inflammation in the body. Um, they don't talk about diet. They don't talk about trauma. They don't talk about stress. They don't talk about environmental factors. Um, the main things that cause the inflammation to begin with. So going back to your question, you know, what, what made me change my mind and why would I stop taking this cream that was working and was actually, you know, hiding the fact that I did have pretty severe eczema. And what it was, was COVID actually. Um, I was working a full-time job, super stressful, um, under a lot of pressure all the time and going to work on that nine to five grind. I need to show up and present in marketing meetings And I didn't want a rash on my face. I didn't want my eyes to be swollen and I couldn't go there and work in the conditions that I would be in naturally if I wanted to heal myself, you know, with root cause ways. So I became redundant in COVID, which was my greatest blessing actually, because it created space for me to say, Hey, okay, I don't need to show up for a system that um, wants me to be perfect. I can actually sit through Um, this experience of discomfort and work through the root causes, which naively in my head, I thought, you know, maybe a month or two, I'll work on diet, pranayama, meditation, creative visualization, you know, fasting, things that I could really kind of commit to, but I had no idea what I was about to fall into. So yeah, the, the space of COVID and the opportunity to take the time to heal is what inspired me to come off this very, um, yeah, what, what I would call poisonous medicine. <laughs> and so talking a little bit about that journey that started to happen, what, what kind of symptoms and, you know, in detail were coming 
to your body? What were you seeing? How were you feeling? What were the impacts to your day-to-day life because of this? Mm, yes. Okay. So yeah, it just brings up so much even thinking about it because it's such a traumatic experience. Um, but some of the symptoms that you are brought up with are your skin becoming extremely red, raw, and fiery. This is the first stage of the symptoms. It's, it's extreme eczema because when you think about suppression, if you're constantly suppressing something that wants to come out, when you stop taking that suppressant, it just explodes like a volcano and it comes out and it oozes and it's fiery and it's angry. And it's like, why did you stop me from presenting myself? So after you get the red sort of skin burning, angry look, you go into the flaking of skin, you you get into oozing in lymphatic areas of your body. And the oozing is just unbelievable. You get swelling, burning and Uh, the skin flaking is so traumatic. You wake up in the morning and you pretty much have to wash your sheets daily or shake them because it's, you're covered in snowflakes of skin because you're almost a snake constantly shedding your skin. This is like at the physical level of dealing with the trauma of what's happening to your skin. Then you deal with things that your hormone cortisol is responsible for, which is, Um, you know, your sleep patterns. So I didn't sleep for two months, insomnia, appetite changes, fatigue, emotional fluctuations, depression and anxiety because cortisol regulates your emotional body as well. A lot of people deal with hair loss. I actually dealt with skin pigmentation. So I lost a lot of pigment in skin in various areas of my body. Thermoregulation is altered. Um, Hyper skin sensitivity. So My skin was so sensitive, I could only have certain fabrics on my body. I couldn't bathe or shower for pretty much four to five months. Like the water on my skin was so incredibly painful. My outlet for that was the the ocean. And even though it was so incredibly painful because it's putting salt on your wound, I would come out in hysterics every time I went in. I just knew it was doing my skin such a greater healing. Um, So not being able to bathe, not being able to sleep, and then nerve pain because cortisol or steroid cream thins out your skin layer. Your nerves are so heightened that you get these things known in the TSW community as sparklers or zingers, which is zaps in your body, which then become convulsions throughout the body where you start shaking and convulsing. So this is just touching on a few of the traumatic symptoms that occur whilst withdrawing off the steroids. So you just talked about a TWS community. Is, is this something that is commonly occurring to other people and individuals out there that you've made contact with? Yes. So actually when I chose to come off steroids, I was extremely naive and I just thought it's going to be hard, but it, it should be okay. I didn't do my research and I wasn't educated to the fact that topical steroid withdrawal is a known condition and how severe it is. I kind of got guided through word of mouth to a community page called ITSAN, which is I-T-S-A-N group. It's on Facebook and that's where everyone shares their stories and it's part of the contract really that you do not recommend steroids to anyone on that group and that you just talk about your symptoms and people can educate other people through their journey on you know, what to experience or what to expect and how to resolve certain issues um, at, a, at a more natural level.
Um, there's other other community things that you can do, which is, you know, listen to the Eczema pod, pod, podcast. Um, and I'd recommend also Jennifer Fugo, who speaks a lot about, you know, the relationship between skin, gut and brain health. So what happened when you took your findings or as you were withdrawing to your GP, did you go back into that space and kind of like question why they had put you on those prescription creams for so long? So this is actually probably the worst part of the whole story is that you're experiencing these symptoms that are honestly horrific. They're so traumatizing. There's no treatment for them. You just have to wait it through. Some people, you know, can get over TSW in four months. Some people take two years and honestly, you can't work. You can't do anything. Your life is on hold. So of course you go to a doctor because you need that extra advice to say, Hey, what's going on with my body? Like there's no information out there to, to give me help. So what do I do? I actually ended up going to the doctor, which I refused to go to for so long because I just didn't trust their advice because what they put me on in the beginning is what caused this problem. But I eventually went to them because I hadn't slept for three months and I, I started feeling really emotionally fragile and I started losing my sense of reality and I couldn't, I couldn't bear the pain anymore. I honestly could not get through, get through it. And I just thought I, I, I'm raising a flag and I need severe help. Like, so I went there with that in mind and told them I hadn't slept and they pretty much looked at my skin and just said, yep, severe eczema. The only thing you can do and the only thing I will give you is steroids. You can have a steroid injection on the spot. And then I recommend seeing a dermatologist to give you more steroids. And I just said, no, like, absolutely not. We do not see eye to eye here. What I'm telling you is that I'm going through a steroid withdrawal. This is not eczema. Like I've had eczema in the past and these symptoms like fatigue, insomnia, convulsions, oozing. I've never had that before with my eczema. And they just pretty much said it's impossible to get addicted to a cream. It's impossible and denied it. So that is in a form of gaslighting. And when you're in such a vulnerable psychological state and you get told that, you you actually just break into a million pieces. And, you know, part of me actually came home and spoke to my partner and said, look, maybe I need to consider going back on this because I can't I can't push through anymore. Like I'm I'm broken. My life, I've lost my life. Like I can't do this. And she was very hesitant and a voice of reason always. Um, and that's when I actually reached out to who I would call my mentor in this. And through a friend, she's seen a, an Instagram post of this girl on National Eczema Day who wrote a post about TSW. Uh, she linked me to her and I reached out to her. And funnily enough, she was in the Northern Rivers. And in times of strife, so after I'd seen that doctor, I just sent her voice messages crying in hysterics broken and without her honestly i think i would have gone back on the steroids she pretty much told me that there is light at the end of the tunnel she gave me the empathy and the understanding of how bad how severely shocking what i was going through was but that it was going to end and that every day that i push through this i come closer to the light and without that i i honestly think i would have gone back on the steroids because i just I needed to hear from someone who had experienced it that, that it will end because there's no, there's no end date. Like how long is a piece of string was my everyday question. Yeah. And I guess my question is why we have these 
studies being sponsored by big pharmaceutical companies and these studies which then go into the hands of our doctors and those people who are supposed to be trusted in our society when these studies are not designed to take in the long-term effects and for you you were using this dairy cream for three years is that correct on and off for three years um but in the last six months of using it i was using it daily on the worst part part of the body which is your eyelids because it goes straight into your bloodstream anything on the genital area eyelids or face um, is the worst possible area for putting that cream on because the addiction just becomes more profound so your doctor was just prescribing you just continuously this cream as you ran out of it Yes, I only ran out of it once because I honestly was using it sparingly until the last six months. Um, and then I ran out one time and I told her and she just wanted to up my dosage and make it stronger. And I, I actually said, no, I want to stay on the same one, which was not to mention one of the lowest doses you could possibly go on. It was 0.05% of steroids. Um, so, yeah, I, I, I actually said no, that I didn't want to increase that. And still, my, my process with TSW was just as severe as someone who's taking the injections. Yeah, I think it's important to point out as well that, you know, the doctors at hand aren't the people to blame in these situations. They are just the people that are learning the information from the universities that are getting the studies from the big pharmaceutical companies who are actually funding these scientific research studies that are making their way into medical schools. I think it's important also to point out that after they do scientific research, it takes about seven years for that to even land in universities if not more time and then again the the time it takes for doctors to be trained and so a lot of the times we're actually operating in this weird world where we know a lot of the medical treatments aren't good but because they haven't made their way through the education system and down onto the ground we're not getting the best information we need to and there's a lot of falsehood as well around our, our doctors being our healers and the reality mm. of the society we live in is that we don't live in an incredibly spiritual society we don't look live in one where people are looking at mind body and spirit and that ancient cultures all around the world all types of different um modalities of healing and medicine have always taken into account these three things so mm -hmm. just talking about that what what got you through mm. yeah it's very true um look the western system i appreciate and i believe there's a place for it of course but yes, the pharmaceutical companies are the ones producing the papers. The doctors just recite what they read and their critical thinking abilities are sometimes quite limited. And that's when it's so important. If I could go back in time, I would honestly take more sovereignty of my own health and I would do the research and I would, yeah, look into the connection between, okay, your skin, that's a symptom that's that's coming up from where what's the root cause and go dive deeper into that but instead i just went to what i believe to be a trusted system which is a dermatologist um which is where the where the error happened so what got me through going back to your question was working at every level of healing going to the body going to the mind going to the spirituality what does that look like well i guess i can kind of list a few of the things that did get me through so treatment therapies 
we're somatic therapy, which is working with like traumas that are stored in the body, kinesiology, acupuncture, Chinese medicine, cranial sacral, body work, um, colonics, fasting, homeopathics, naturopaths. Um, they're just, they're just a few of the modalities that I touched on, but I really wanted to work with trauma because I believe, you know, a lot of trauma is stored in the body, which then causes inflammation, which funnily enough, when I was studying Shiatsu, I learned a lot about the lung meridian and the lung meridian, lung meridian is responsible for your skin. So what does the lung meridian um, work with emotionally? emotionally wise it works with grief and loss the first time my eczema came up was three months after i had lost you know one of my dearest friends through suicide and that's when alarm bells kind of went off in my head and i thought wow there is a huge link between that loss and grief and my lungs and not being able to breathe and let go of that and it coming through my skin so i worked a lot on that trauma i worked a lot with um gut health um, because before I had any skin, skin conditions, I had a lot of gut issues, which weren't resolved. Um, so I worked with that and I worked with psychologists. I worked with uh, body workers to work on the physical level. So I really did try and look at everything as a united force and went at every angle. I became the Sherlock Holmes of skin, you know, an, an investigator of my own illness and that in a way was one of the most beautiful spiritual journeys I could have gone on because you can't turn a blind eye when your health is at that level. You need to go in at it on every angle. You need to be such a committed human to healing in order to have that breakthrough. I think it's such a testament and often we, we talk about how we are our own healers and that everybody is different and that we need to be able to take time in this busy world to stop and pause and think about how we can help heal our bodies in all different ways. Last year, we saw a global pause and an opportunity for the collective to pause with COVID, which has been a blessing in disguise, I think, for many people to return to something more simple or a way of listening deeply to their bodies. It obviously was a catalyst to your healing. I, I wonder and I think, like, what do you feel... Um, is and can be the impact of fast-paced society capitalism and the need for more on our health mm. yeah that is such a intricate but expensive question <laughs> i think that the fast-paced society that we live in does not align to how our bodies actually function our bodies are innately they work slowly and it takes time to heal you know if you want to work with root causes and get to get to the real issue that takes time and we don't live in a society where time is available we, we work nine to five most of us at least we're on a schedule and health normally comes and trickles down to like one of the lowest things on our priority list uh, which actually if we had the time and we had the space we could we could allow for that to be a priority. And that's why when COVID hit and I was made redundant, that gave me the space to prioritize my health. Um, and when it comes to consumerism, well, that, that philosophy in general leads to, you know, the demise of the body because our bodies actually work with less is more. Um, so yeah, that's going on a whole other train of thought, but 
consumerism is not what the body needs. It needs time, it needs patience, and it needs to slowly eradicate things to understand what works with your body. And talking about kicking consumerism to the curb, I know that fasting was a big part of your healing process. Mm -hmm. And I'd just like to, you to talk about your experience with fasting and how you actually noticed in your body those nuances of conversations that were happening with your body to your mind to your spirit while you were in those states Mm, yeah so fasting is something that i fell into quite early on my journey in tsw um probably about a month in i just thought fasting is one of the most amazing ways to detoxify your system to detoxify the liver and give your your gut a a moment to just actually stop working to break down all the food that you're consuming and give that energy to your immunity and give that to healing and cell regeneration. Um, So fasting, I was on a juice fast for a week. Um, The first three days were really, really challenging. But after that, I started noticing how clear my thoughts were, how present I became, how in tune with, you know, uh, my senses I was and, a lot more aligned to, to, in a way, my, my vision and my goal. What kind of nuances did I feel? Well, I felt, you know, the moment I put something in my body afterwards that didn't align to what I actually needed, a flare would happen or I would almost hear a whisper in my ear like that. That's not actually what your body wants or that's not what I need. Um, and they became a lot more acute, those sounds. And for me, that was a guiding force. Um, my intuition playing a huge part into what my body wants and what my body doesn't want. Do I want, you know, a salt water today or do I want to not bathe? Do I want to put moisture on my skin or do I want it to be dry? Do I want aloe vera on my skin or is that going to burn? Do I want apple cider vinegar? Do I want, you know, to eat that today? So you know, those were guiding forces and fasting just attunes you to, to that language of the body. And I think it is important to note that you um, come from a very proud Italian mother. <laughs> and in, in the culture of being Italian and um, the joys of feasting and celebrating through food, how did you find this having an impact on your connection to your culture? Oh, wow. That, that is a question that really, truly hits home. You know, my partner always laughs because when I introduce myself, I pretty much say, I'm Italian. My name is Carlo. So that comes first for me, you know, my culture. Food is my way of loving. It's my way of passion. It's my way of feeding, connecting. And fasting was stripping all of that away from me. And not even fasting, but having to be on such a strict, contained, basic diet took that away from me and I I was no longer what I identified with which was a feeder you know I became someone that could barely eat anything and I was what I considered an annoying person that goes to a restaurant with all these allergies which now I just empathize with but yeah I got stripped from that tomato (laughs) bocconcini cheese you know gluten that's that's what makes me me and that's what I thought made me me So eliminating them from my diet actually caused a huge identity crisis because I didn't know where I stood in the world anymore if I couldn't cook or create or eat or drink vino, you know. So that just gave room and space for me to become more than just, 
you know, my culture and to become, to become sovereign to that. But now that I'm, I'm healing, I can identify with my culture and celebrate that, but that's not just all that I am. Of course, you are still an Italian stallion in my eyes. <laughs> Giddy up. See. I, I mean, you've spoke a little bit about your story, but I, I, I also feel like people may not understand the duration in which this was occurring and the se- severity. So do you want to go into more things that impacted um, your life? Yeah, of course I would. I'd really like to place an emphasis on just how severe it is because you tell people going through these skin issues and they think, oh, skin issue, yeah, it sucks when you get a mozzie bite and you're just like, no, you don't understand. This is not a little mozzie bite. This isn't a little rash. This is all-consuming, tragic, terrifying, horrific, traumatizing at every single level, psychologically, physically, emotionally. It is debilitating. How long did it go for for me? It was, it was seven months of pure hell. And what does that entail? That entails complete and utter sacrifice, sacrifice of food, sacrifice of connection, sacrifice of making any plans with anyone because you most likely will have to cancel, sacrifice of being in a relationship and your intimacy being impacted because you can't even be touched, you can't be looked at self-consciously, you're distraught. Um, These are just touching on a few things that you know, your, your hygiene levels, you, you feel dirty because you can't actually shower. Thank God that I lived on such beautiful beaches because that was my savior every day. It was a ritual for me to just go bathe despite the pain. Um, you, you lose your sleep. So you, you stop functioning. Your mood is altered. So you're in a really depressed state on top of working against, you know, your self-identity, self-consciousness, being seen, being in a relationship and being seen in that space was one of the hardest things for me because when I'm in pain, I'm someone that likes to hide away and can kind of conserve that to myself. But I was in the limelight and I had to be seen and my community of sisters and friends around me, they just wanted to show up for me. And I didn't know how to accept that. I didn't know how to say yes. And I didn't know how to not be a burden. Um, So what I'd really like to talk about in that is, community and how they showed up in a way that I will never forget. And that has completely inspired me to no end to show up for others because what was created through this trauma and this pain and this suffering was what was called a Kali to love train. And I had epic women in the community who some of them I wasn't even you know that close with and spent one one time with, but had heard how severe things had gotten that it was COVID and my family was far away and I couldn't, be nurtured by them and when Charlie was at work you know I needed help because I couldn't cook for myself I couldn't feed myself I couldn't bathe myself I could barely move and I had these sisters come to the house they would clean they would feed me they would bring broth they would make a celery juice they'd do small things like bring me CBD oil or valerian and these gestures is honestly another pillar that held up my crumbling roof um, so yeah, these are the, some of the things that got me through another thing that I'd really like to mention, which I don't know how it's going to go on a podcast, but I, I feel it's my duty to express was connecting with psilocybin, um, at a microdose level. This was my medicine and this was honestly something that shape shifted my mindset 
and stopped the itch, the insatiable itch that was unbeknown for seven months, constant, irritated, painful. The moment I would take a microdose, my awareness would shift. The pain would subside. It would still be there, but it was, it was bearable. And that's what allowed me to leave the house. That's what allowed me to um, go to the occasional gathering. And that's what allowed me to move my mindset from this dark, deep grief to the awakening of, I need to go through this. I need to go through this. And my lesson is to help others and learn how to receive help in this moment. So I'm just touching on that. If you want to go into it further, you can prompt me with some questions, but honestly, I would recommend anyone who is going through topical steroid withdrawal to experiment um, and create a relationship ever so slightly with psilocybin, because I honestly think it is a godsend. You know, it's no surprise to me that we have these, um, grade A drugs that are illegal and inaccessible to us when we do have pharmaceutical companies who are really um, behind a lot of political and um, legislation um, influence through their funding. It's common knowledge all around the world that drug, drug companies spend more money on lobbying politicians than any other companies. Um, it's also very common knowledge that in Australia, um, we have the uh, top 10 biggest companies and industries in our country. Uh, of course, the pharmaceutical company is up there. CSL is the Australian premier pharmaceutical and biotechnological company. And they have a net worth market of somewhere between 33 to $50 billion. Now, when we're looking at this type of money anywhere, um, you know, we have to be aware of the immense amount of greed that must be behind these spaces. Because for me, I think anything in the billions is um, capitalism as crime. Personally, I think it's um, utilizing human beings in order to make money because billions of dollars and yeah, profit as the bottom line. And if we look at the way our society works too, profit is the bottom line. It is not about our, our, our society doesn't see success as the health of our planet and the humans that occupy it. They see success as how much money you have in your bank account. So again, I'm not pointing fingers at doctors or even people that are working in science labs getting money from pharmaceutical companies, but I'm, I'm actually pointing the figure at a bigger structure that has led us to this conversation and situation that Carla has been dealing with, which is that we have an overarching structure that doesn't put our invested interest at the top. Mm. It actually puts our invested interest and health below making money. And so when we're looking at things like psilocybin, which you know, in the Northern Rivers, for example, we live in a very tropical climate here. It also is breeding ground for cattle because in the late 50s, a lot of the farms were cattle farms. And for anybody that doesn't know, psilocybin grows out of cow shit. So sometimes you find medicine in shit. You know, life can be that simple and a little bit metaphorical, but the healing can sometimes be in what we assume to be something disgusting. Now, Psilocybin, what kind of things was it 
having to your body when you were taking it? Because I know that you went through excruciating pain, insomnia, inability to sleep. So when you kind of met and married the psilocybin, what did you actually see happen to your symptoms? Mm. Just everything you said was so poetic. So thank you for deconstructing that in such a phenomenal way, Ella. Um, so psilocybin, how did, how did we meet? How did that affair begin? Well, actually, I didn't really jive with psilocybin prior to, you know, my experience with it as of late. I felt that it was too intense for my psyche. So how it came into my world is a friend recommended that I tried it during a really horrendous state. And in my, in my mind at the time, I thought, I can't really think of anything worse. I am psychologically traumatized. I'm not in a good headspace. I'm in physical pain. Do I want to add a trip on top, on top of that? Like, can I even get through that? So then an introduction to microdosing came into my sphere um, where you take a little bit and you're not going to go into a trip trip at all. If anything, um, it's just going to slightly shift your awareness, open your heart space, um, and yeah, make you more, more present in that moment. So I started experimenting with microdosing and I, I would do things like get the clay wheel out or play with clay, um, and get my hands really busy. And that in turn, I realized, wow, while I'm doing this, I'm not actually focused on my skin for like the scary of moments of times that I was always, always just thinking and hurting and in pain and you know, so, so concentrated on my skin, I would realize, oh, I can actually do something else and I can notice the pain, but I'm not so immersed in it. Um, and I thought, oh, that's, that's quite strange. And then I, I took it again and I thought, let me, let me give this a go. And again, my awareness would shift and my itch would actually stop like that insatiable itch that spread across my body constantly. It, it would stop. I would not need to itch. Um, and you know, the rash was still there, but I, I mean, I could really, I could really push through the pain. I could show up for places. So yeah, the shift in awareness, the shift of the itch, um, and the connection to my higher self really is what psilocybin did for me. And without that, it was my inner guru. It was, it was my inner shrink and it, it, it really guided me through that horror. Yeah, you know, I think it's important to expose truths and things that work for you, even if the mainstream narrative tells you that we shouldn't. And if anybody knows me and my work, I do everything possible to go against the mainstream narrative, as I do believe mm -hmm. it is a trap again for this capitalist system that is um, building us to be slaves, not building us to be true custodians. Mm -hmm. Carla, I, I wonder if you have... Um, advice or something that you would like to share that we haven't spoken about yet with any of the listeners? Mm, yeah. So I guess some things I'd like to just mention is like anyone who's going through skin issues or eczema or psoriasis to just reevaluate the way that they are treating the issue or the root cause or the, the symptoms. Um, and yeah, to look at it more holistically because when something is erupting on your skin, it's normally because something greater is happening in the inside, which that needs commitment, that needs work, that needs understanding, and that, that needs you to be a very dedicated listener to your body, to decoding the language of your body pretty much. 
So yeah, to seek holistic treatment is like number one for me, not symptomatic treatment, holistic treatment, um, super important. Uh, things that are really important as well, like creams, people tell you to use QV and Dermavine and these things that are made in bulk by huge companies, um, which I do not agree with because they have glycerin as their main ingredient, which actually dries out your skin at like the deepest, most foundational level of your skin. So work with things that are natural that come from the earth, cacao butter, shea butter, um, aloe vera is amazing. Look at the ingredients because a lot of aloe vera creams have alcohol in them. So like we don't want that on our skin. That kills a good gut bacteria. If you want to put something that could kill any sort of infection, work with apple cider vinegar. Um, look at the, the natural healers, which is the sun, the salt water, creative visualization, mantra, pranayama. Um, really work with things like that that can help shift your, your inner state to help with your outer state. Um, if you need support with topical steroid withdrawal, if you're thinking about coming off steroids, seek medical advice. I naively just stopped at cold turkey, very in my nature. When I come, when I have an idea, I just want to do it and I want to do it full power. Um, and that's just who I am. But I recommend weaning off because it can, it's very lethal and it can cause really detrimental effects if you do not wean off. So seek medical advice and join community groups like ITSAN, Australian Topical Steroid Withdrawal Group. Um, work with another sort of Eastern medicine doctor, whether it's a naturopath or a Chinese med doctor or kinesiologist, because they will give you things that will not get rid of your symptoms with TSW, but at least support your system while you're going through this hell. Um, and yeah, just to take sovereignty of your health. If you are seeing a medical Western practitioner and they, they prescribe you a pharmaceutical, understand that pharmaceutical's nature. Ask questions. Do your research because turning a blind eye may result in a worse circumstance. And the sacrifices you make in order to restore your health will end up being your greatest gain. And that's where I'm standing now and that's why I'm communicating my story because what I have gone through and what I have sacrificed has become the restoration of my vitality and of my health. So yeah, I guess that would be my, my piece of advice there. I um, found this quote just before we started the interview and I just wanted to share it because I think it, it just sums up being able to seek out these truths for yourself and not just believe about the mainstream narrative. But this quote is by Dr. Marcia Engel, who is a physician and longtime editor-in-chief of the New England Medical Journal. And she came out actually exposing a lot of the um, corruption within the studies of the pharmaceutical industry and science. And she says, it is simply no longer possible to believe much of the clinical research that is published or to rely on the judgment of trusted physicians or authoritative medical guidelines. I take no pleasure in this conclusion, which I researched slowly and reluctantly over my two decades as an editor of the New England Journal of Medicine. Carla, just to end our interview, I wanted to ask you, this podcast is called It Takes Courage to Tell the Truth. And the question I ask all of our interviewees is, what is the biggest truth that you have discovered in your lifetime on this planet? I guess my greatest truth is that everything is a triad. 
And when I say triad, I mean body, mind, spirit, um, and that everything is connected. So our connection to nature, our connection to spirit, our connection to psyche, our connection to body is all interwoven with our connection to each other. Um, and in life, sometimes you can be really isolated and we can be in a system that works independently and uh, doesn't actually promote connectiveness, even in the health regime. It just is symptomatic most of it until you go into like Eastern medicine and it's integrative. So for me to have an integrative approach to life, to health, to relationships, um, to the earth is one of the most important lessons that I have learned and I believe is my truth and to value that and to live by that triad of connection to mind, body, spirit in all of its forms. Ella, thank you for being so brave and coming on the show to share your story. I wanted to ask you just finally before we leave, um, if there are people out there who are wanting to get in contact with you or seek more advice, um, are you open to giving somewhere that they can contact you to? Yes, of course. So I feel that it's not only my duty, but it is my pleasure to be there for anyone who is um, disrupted by skin issues. I have a wealth of knowledge through experience. I can't really tell you a treatment plan, but I can guide you down a road that might help you with relieving your symptoms. I am on private on um, Instagram, but I am open to receiving messages and creating a point of contact where we can speak on the phone um, to just, yeah, guide you through it the way I was so fortunately guided through it myself with others. So you can find me on my Instagram account. It's a bit of an alias, but I'd love to hear from you. It's uh, L-E-S-K-E-C, Lesky C. Um, and you can contact me there and it would be a pleasure for me to um, promote health and skin regeneration for anyone who is interested in that. Thank you. I feel like that's just a great way to walk through the world is to actually make contact with people who have had lived embodied experiences of what you're seeking guidance with. And this is why mentorship can be so powerful for us and sometimes why the system is not set up so well because we're taking advice from people who are just maybe reading things out of books and not having lived experiences. So again, Carla, thank you so much for coming on the program and sharing deeply your journey with us. Um, I am so happy to be sharing this to the many people that may listen and to get your story out there that is part of many, I'm sure, other stories in a collective web of people that have been misled by the Western medical system. So thank you for exposing your truth and being courageous. Mm, thank you, Ella. Thank you.